0: Creativity is by definition creating something out of nothing.
1: If you're an
2: artist, you learn that the thing that you think you're creating is not the thing that you end up creating. The idea of failure in some ways is saying, I had an idea of what I thought needed to happen or what should happen and it turned out differently. It's actually not failure at all. This is what art
1: does. Art gets to the soul, gets to the, the place where values, where
2: relationships, where meaning is made. It's change, evolve, grow, stretch. The hero is now an integrated person who has let all this unnecessary images of who we thought we were, and all these old beliefs have now been burned away, really leaving us in the possibility of integrating our inner lives and our outer lives. And now that the conflict and the challenges are no longer inside of us, the hero can now turn towards his or her destiny, calling, and what the world really needs.
0: Let's just talk about the return home before we dive into the, the fruit of all of this. And now maybe we can say that the hero has integrated the inner and outer and is now clear and unconflicted. Is that true to say?
2: Yeah, I guess so. It's funny when you say it that way, it's like, oh, well, that's that's a big statement. <laughs> well, it certainly well, feels that like, way like, for
0: me.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I in you... our in our time, we... we uh, we didn't grow up with Harry Potter, but our kids grew up with Harry Potter and we read all the books to them and I think um, you know there's this wonderful ingenious but of course archetypal part of that story when Harry is killed on the battlefield, there's a part of him that's destroyed that shows up in the train station as the bloody naked thing so there's part of him that is like gotten rid of. He's, he had
0: to sacrifice it. It died. Yeah.
1: And so there's this, so this inner turmoil, this worm in his soul is now reconciled and, and integrated and is no longer a problem. And he's able then to confront Voldemort and win. So there's probably lots of images of the archetypal mythologies where the, the, the main scene of the battle is no longer in the soul of the hero. Right
2: and I think that's a, that's just a good distinction, right so I'm glad you said that because I think that's really where it's at it's It's that the <clears throat> that early on in our in our journey there's a battle raging in here, mm-hmm. yeah, and at a certain point, this battle is won as it were, we come through the other side, and then all of what we've gained by this battle inside is now something that we can take out because we're no longer have, we no longer have that deep conflict. Yeah.
0: The conflict is not inner anymore because we've, we've earned this clarity. And the conflict is still there, but it's now out there. So we return home with an elixir and a willingness to, to uh, fight for our community, you know, the, you know, the
2: village or whatever, right?
1: We're able to then serve because we're not obstructed in our own inner battles. Right, by right. the
2: small I and the big eye within yeah. us, right. battling yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly,
2: yeah, <clears throat> exactly.
1: And, um, so now and we can there's a lot it. to say on that, but, yeah. but one thing is, just to be really quick and concise about it, that's not to suggest that um, one reaches a pinnacle and never goes through another ordeal, um, but certainly I would expect that the, the other ordeals that one goes through would be at a higher level, so to speak. <laughs> you know, um, and that was the way that old initiations were structured too. You, you suffered through, and you went initiated, and you, you were initiated in yourself, and then you were initiated for your family, and you're initiated for your tribe, and you were initiated for the nation, and then, so there's that structure there of like we keep going on this journey. We're not at a finished or end or perfection point, but this the internal chaos that led us into that, the uh, tension and the drama of the ordeal. That is now kind of resolved and incorporated, bringing then new gifts that we can serve the world with,
0: right, so that is then how has this given you wings right how what's happening now, like
1: yeah, so the big so what
0: yeah, yeah. there you go <laughs>
2: <clears throat> when we took the break, one of the things that I came back to was still considering this supreme ordeal, and a bit of sort of the end of that in some ways was. Um, finding out how being a filmmaker was going to be beneficial in the world. It was something that I never knew, actually, until a few years ago. Um, And that was, there was still very much the ego involved, right? and, And I think that was actually one of the major conflicts that I dealt with, was that I want to be of service to the world, I want to be of value, but how is just making another piece of, you know, uh, moving image content going to make the world any better, right? Even if it's a good story, even still, right? I mean, there are a million good stories. If my story doesn't make it out, is the world any better, worse or better off? Mm-hmm. No. So I'm going to go back to the the wing, sort of the moment where I recognized the wings, right. okay? What I thought, you know, I'd, I'd overcome a lot of the stuff with my mother passing and all this, right? Mm-hmm. And then I have this this conflict with, with my work collaborators
0: oh you have not mentioned that I yet. haven't no oh, that was all right let's okay. dig in
2: okay so um, so you know i'd been i'd basically gotten a dream job right i 'm making six figures uh, I have a great title and I am developing uh, developing and making movies that are being released in theaters around the globe so this was the big Whoo, I've arrived. I feel great, right? I've been struggling for so long and now I've got this great income and I've got health insurance. Amazing. And you know, that was I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I go to work and I and I'm excited because I'm creating something the world is gonna see. And our first movie comes out. Speaking of The Matrix, one of our our voice cast was Carrie Ann Moss. Um, who, who is she? Was she? She's a, Trinity. Oh,
0: she was yeah. Trinity. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Who's
2: a Waldorf parent, by the way? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, she's lovely, uh, and was just wonderful to work with, but she, you know, so anyway, so we get this movie and it it goes out and we're making another movie and, uh, there were problems with the script, you know, so there was this conflict. And at a certain point I was just, I realized it's more important at this moment for me just to keep my job, keep Mm. my paycheck Mm -hmm. and have... Have some security here yeah. because in my personal life, things are full of turmoil and chaos. Right. So I decided I'm just not going to fight that battle. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be a yes man and collect my paycheck. <laughs> and within two or three weeks, I hated my job and I'm ready to quit.
0: Whoa, my that dream didn't take long. job.
2: A couple of weeks. I'm done. I hate it. I hate going to work in the morning. I can't wait to get out.
0: No, why?
2: I'm, I've sold out. Right. Right? It's that I am doing my work for a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. Not because it enlivens me and I'm bringing something to the world. And so within two to three weeks of being a sellout, I'm ready to quit. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out how can I justify leaving this job when I don't have something lined up? How can I do this? And I hit another sort of small rock bottom professionally. This is terrible. I've arrived and I hate where I've gotten. Right. Mm. Okay. A lot
0: of people will resonate with
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was the moment where I think I might have told the story of kind of pulling up next to the $150,000 oh, yeah, $1, yeah, $1, yeah. car. You know, yeah. And it was, you know, seeing, why is that person unhappy? He should be totally happy. He lives in California, he's driving a $150,000 car. And it was a little bit of then the going through, and there was a small process that get me there. But I just said, you know, at this point, I can't actually show up for the paycheck. I'm gonna accept there's a battle on this one project I've lost. But the way that now I can actually justify staying a filmmaker is not only in the stories I tell, because also you know as a, as a filmmaker, a lot of times you're telling other people's stories, you're assisting, and even if you are the writer, then maybe there's a director who has another vision and a producer and she has her vision and everyone's visions come together and the actor, main actor comes in and they have their vision. And it's a wonderful collaborative creative process, but it's not necessarily telling the story that I, as a storyteller, set out to tell. But there is one place where I can make sure that my integrity always shows through.
0: Which was very important to you, clearly.
2: Yeah, and it was actually the key, which was that, to me, if I'm going to... I don't. It's not just about the story that I tell that goes out on the screen, but what's the story that's happening in the world in which I'm operating and living, yeah. right? Do When I'm sitting around a table and there's another thing that popped up, we're having all these meetings and we're all white guys writing stories about boys and getting the girl or whatever it happens to be. And it's just, there was a toxicity to it. Mm. You know, that I'm now part of this paradigm of, of continuing to tell these just regurgitated narcissistic stories, maintaining a certain narrow world vision. Yeah, yeah. Even when it became to when it comes to hiring, you know, looking at, you know, what is the you know the the uh, the diversity of our writing team, the diversity of our of our art of our art team, the diversity of the directors, the producers. Uh, how is this story? What are some of the archetypes in the story? What are some of the assumptions of the story? Mm. And I may have have. Have told this, uh, a friend of mine who's an A-list writer. Uh, he hadn't been working for a little while, and I called him up and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm working for this Chinese animation studio. We don't have a lot of money, and I know it's, uh, you know, it's six figures to your on your seven-figure quote. Mm. But uh, I think we have a really fun concept, and I'd love you to take a look at it and see if you'd like to write it." Well, he read the concept, said, "That's a great concept. I'd love to write it," uh, and he said, "Just call my agent." I understand what the deal is. I've told them already, I'm taking your, I'll, I'll take your offer. Cool. So we sit down, and this is after I'd given up the idea that on this one project that didn't pass the Bechtel test, I right. said, you know what? Rather than fighting this old battle, I'm yeah, fighting yeah. new battles. And this yeah. is the, the putting on of the wings. Mm. I meet with my buddy, and I say, okay, here's the story. And I basically laid out all my problems with the past story all of the movies that we see with 80% of the male characters getting the lines all of this yeah. stuff yep. I said, so we actually unless we are actively uh, working on changing it we're a part of the problem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so here's literature here is this you know this study from the Gina Davis Institute on gender and media here mm-hmm. is all of this literature I need you to read this before you start writing uh, and then, <laughs> eight weeks later, I get a terrible script back that he he did nothing from our conversation. No way. Not one thing.
0: No way. And
2: I'm frustrated, and you know he's a big A-lister, and yeah. the producer is an A-list producer, and you know, and in the room when the three of us in the room, even though I brought everyone together, I'm still, I'm the smallest guy in the room, and yet I still have to go in and say, "Oh, guys, we have." Fallen into a trap, hmm. and be able to do that without ma- being like, "Dude, what the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But actually right, bring right. into a process, yeah. and to actually have to engage in that artistic process myself, and saying, you know, so unfortunately, we made this wonderful script that I don't know if or when it will ever be made, but it's a story of uh, of a pigeon who's in love with a, a w- with a dove who is in a golden cage in the palace, right? But the pigeon had a friend, and the first time when, when he wrote the script, the best friend is a little mouse, and the best friend is a male. Everyone is male except for the but love interest, and then the guy, the human guy and his love interest, right? Right. So I said, wait, like I get it. I know who the, ma- the protagonist is. We can't change that. But what we don't ever see, because ultimately the way the story was written, it was kind of a buddy story, right? It was about the pigeon and the mouse and how they have to solve these riddles, mm-hmm. right? But we never see a male and a female as best friends in a, in a movie, and even in all of the children's movies. It's still, it's the male who's yeah. going to go, and at the end, you know, gets the princess or whatever Yeah, the female
0: is, right? is only ever the love interest. Right. She's nothing else.
2: Right, and so to all of a sudden have... Except in Kiki's delivery service. So,
0: really? I don't remember that one, but anyway, carry on. But all
2: of a sudden, we the dynamics of the story are completely different because you have a great female character who's a best friend. And as far as what does that mean to children watching that in the future is that boys and girls, it's okay to have that be your best friend. Um, And you know, the, the big bull mastiff, of course, is a male character and I just, you know, how much more interesting is that character when it's a female? And all of a sudden we go through all this stuff and at the end then he goes back and there was a lot of work that came. And at the end, comes back in with this wonderful script. Just really, wow. okay, now I can be proud of it. Correct. So they heard you. Yes. And it was part of it with the wings too was to not be afraid
0: mm. that
2: they're not going to like it. Or of course, I, every time I walked into a room and I would bring this stuff up, I'm like, oh. also a lot of the people I worked with, they all had boys. They all had sons. Really? I'm like the only one with daughters. <laughs> and we're okay. all dudes in this room. Right, right, right. right? How do I? How do I this right how do i bring this up without being like i'm the guy who's advocating i'm only and i'm only advocating because for the you, women because i happen to have daughters right, right, but that's not right. the case and i just had to actually say i i don't that all of what the perception my worry whatever has to be let go and so the once again kind of coming back to the wings was it's not only what stories I tell, but how I tell them, how I am working with others to help their stories, to the extent that too, I don't have to be the main person in the room, I don't have to be the writer, the director, the producer, I don't have to be any of that stuff, right? Right. right? That I can actually support others as well, and say, I can let my ego go and just say, you know what, if at the end of the day, this movie, someone is a writer, and someone is a director, and you know, and I'm one of several producers that that is, uh, that the story that is important to me, that I want, things that I want to bring in the world, doesn't have to have my name on it. It's in the world. And that was, that was this, wow, now I know why I'm doing this. Right, uh, okay.
0: So was there, was there in there something about you finding your voice?
2: It was enormously about finding right.
0: your voice. Right. So when you found your voice and you spoke up, even though you believed that the odds were stacked against you, even though you did not feel empowered, even though uh, the power dynamics were a struggle, you still spoke up, and that felt enormously empowering. Like that's the wings are a picture of of right. that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It was finding the voice. It was the trusting in and really having faith, like what am I here for? If I'm here to make money and to be appreciated and you know, acknowledged by, pe- by the others in the room, well then I may come in a little bit more timid because I don't want to rock the boat yeah. because I want people to like me and I need to make sure that the paycheck ends up in my bank account every two yeah. weeks, Yeah. right? Yeah, so it was all of a sudden, and, it, and actually it was about finding that purpose. The struggle, yeah. It was beautiful, the struggle was really no longer within me as soon as I say, right. I'm not here for that.
0: Yeah. Right?
2: I'm not here for that. So I can get fired. I can have everyone in this room turn against me or dislike me because I'm not here for my own. That my story has to be told or that I have to be respected by these people or have this kind of recognition in the world. Yeah. I am here to be a a an agent of change. of change and of uh and of that, that change being. Uh, to support and to be a voice in the room for people who aren't in the room, yeah. and I always yes. saw that as an abstract and as an abstraction, or as something that was separate from what I did for my career. Right. So my mm. nonprofit work with Network M we strive was always this. That's this other thing I do in my right. free time between because you now. really
0: needed to be in, in service, and you didn't see how you could do that as a filmmaker.
2: I had no idea, yeah. except for the storytelling part. But as most people who who work in the, creative, you know, in the creative entertainment fields recognize that getting your story told yeah. when there's just a couple hundred movies made every year yeah. in Hollywood and, and they cost a lot of money and there's yeah. only so much money to go around. And there are your thousands chances.
0: of writers, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's th- that story might not get told. But how these stories are told, when I would call agents and I'm looking for a writer, I'm looking for a director or something, it was always, you have to send me equal number of men and uh-huh. women. You know, and sometimes they get. Well, I only have one woman. I said, Well, then you only get to send me one guy. Okay. Pretty simple, you know. Go out and find more women. So
0: that's interesting. So you're these are you're finding ways to to uh, to influence the system. Yeah. So I just something that came up for me while you were speaking, which I thought was really interesting, is when you try to show up so that you can get your paycheck. Um, I could just imagine that other people in the room, if you were showing up just for your paycheck and to not rock the boat, that they, that they could so easily see you as not someone who's just showing up to be helpful and, and, and not rock the boat, but actually to see you as a problem. And the irony of the situation is that you show up with your voice and your, I'm going to stand for this, and they st- see you as an asset. But you don't... Do you see what I'm saying? Like re- yeah. reversal yes. at work.
2: It's a great reversal. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that was really this whole shift. And then to even see just that as soon as I became more confident in that part of my voice, then this person I've worked with a lot who's always, what about this guy, this guy, this guy? And I'm always like, how about this woman instead of always this guy? And I'm <laughs> yeah. pushing this, pushing this. And yeah. at one point we had to a project and he goes... We really have to have a woman direct this next project, mm. and you're like, yes, as though <laughs> you know, as though it was a, it was obvious, you right. know, and it's even become a part of this a dialogue that he and I have had, and I then also heard him have with other people. That's like, no, it's, it's as though it's been there always, and it's a total assumption that this is part of the way we consider how we do our hiring and who we collaborate. Right. It wasn't that there was any, on in other people around me, there was no conscious okay. Let me write that down and make sure to add that on my list of to-do things. Instead, right. it was, yeah, of course we consider diversity. That's incredibly important. Right. Yeah, we're going to start developing this project about this African-American lawyer in Mississippi. Right? Of course we're going to do that. Like This is important to be telling diverse, diverse stories.
0: <laughs> now... But it's been a real uphill battle to get there. For
2: me, it was a huge battle.
0: And we're still not there, obviously.
2: Glo- no, certainly not. I mean, globally, we're a million miles away. Right. Uh, in certain parts of our, in certain industries, the conversation is really just starting just to happen. Just starting,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but for me, this thing that has been a part of, that has been so vital in my life, that has caused in the past also a lot of stress and anger,
0: mm.
2: now causes. Brings me joy because even right. though, sure, I still get angry when I see the statistics and yeah, see how yeah, the yeah. discrimination, etc. Yeah. There's actually this incredible joy because the conflict is no longer in me. Yeah, and so therefore yes. the joy can really be in there yeah. because we're talking like, okay, I, I have this now, and I can go out, and I know where my battle is, yeah. and I know yeah. how to fight it. And once you've actually have that, and you're wearing your wings, you have your sword, you have yeah. your elixir. The odds are <laughs> yeah. always against you. And in any good, any yeah. good battle movie, yeah. the big battle is at the end. But we're no longer in despair anymore. Yeah, right? yeah. Right. We're right. clear. Yes. And,
0: right. and we're prepared to give it our all. And right. that's what matters. Yeah. 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 And actually, you, another thing you remind me of, just as a little bit of a tangent, um, we once had a conversation with a, a, a woman who is an expert on diversity. And she had mentioned um, the difference between, so in terms of uh, racial tension in America, specifically in, in, in this case between whites and African American. And she, she'd mentioned two words. She'd said, you can either be, if you're a white person, you can either be an ally or you can be an agitator. And I approached her, we were at a workshop together, and I approached her at the end and said, what does that mean? Can you help me understand that better? And she was like, S- uh, sure, no problem, because she's a trainer in this, in this field. Um, and we spent an hour talking about the difference between ally and agitator. And she said, you can be an ally for people of color, which means you, know, you, you support them, you, um, you're, you're, you're in relationship with them and doing all you can to support them. But an agitator means as a white person, you go into your institutions where it's all white or mostly white. And you are educated enough. You've educated yourself enough that you can see microaggressions. You can see the because the devil is in the details, right? You 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 know and you understand um, when the forces are arrayed against people of color, and that's what you, as a white person, change. Um, and that's more powerful and more effective than just being an ally. You do. You can do more. Like change the way white people um, change the prejudice change from the inside out Um, so uh, and I found that enormously inspiring and I'm like that's what I'm going to do right so in your case it's a little bit the same you're a man a white male and you're in these institutions with White men, right? And mm-hmm. we've we've just meet the the hashtag Me Too, you know, has been splayed across the entertainment industry. So, so this is really good timing um, as well. Or your work has really uh, is coming to fruition. But it's still the work, right? You're in these institutions. You can be a part of the change. And in a way, it's really great that you're not a woman doing it. You're a man doing it.
2: Right. The
1: one key component of of, of our history was this alignment that you referred to. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we didn't realize it at the time. And this is, this is important for you if you're running a business with someone else or if you're starting a business with someone else and your partnership is really shaping the DNA of your company. That's just unavoidable. And that's a well-documented phenomenon. But again, it's one of those things that you can study, but when you begin to apply it in your own situation, it can become a tangled mess. Um, <laughs> yes. I certainly lived through a partnership where we were not aligned and I had to leave the partnership because, because my DNA didn't fit my partner's mm. and the last few years of, uh, of Magenta's starting we just didn't we didn't have core alignment in some very invisible areas but when we through this peeling process yeah. that you described earlier so beautifully when we kind of finally aligned um, I mean on the one hand, I was like, oh, finally, finally, you've arrived. Okay, good. <laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> but on the other hand, I had to look at myself and realize well, Louisa was, was able to meet me where I wanted to be met because I was able to meet her where she wanted to be met.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when I was able to, to enter this work and make it not about my person. There was room for her and she could find her voice, which has been her struggle. So to, so the meeting of the minds and the souls has been this beautiful weaving of uh, each of us transforming so that we could click together, work together fluidly and, mm-hmm. and not get hung up either in, in, in me being too big or you being too withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And those are the wounds, right? Those are the wounds, those are the compensating um, coping mechanism behaviors Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we got in our childhood, that we brought into our adulthood. Mm -hmm. And so so really the road road back on the archetypal, the air quotes, road back in the archetypal (laughs) Mm -hmm. journey um, began with that really profound alignment at, at many levels. Yeah. And there, then at that moment, everything that we were trying to say for the last four years and put on paper and create tools around just lined up beautifully in these simple and clear ways. And the next time I began to talk with a a possible client, it was just all there, super clear, could draw it out on a whiteboard and say, here's the problem with normal uh, uh, use cases of this way of working, and here's what Magenta's bringing, here's why it's different. And, And people got it. because Mm. it was just clear and simple and like you said Matthew I wasn't in the way anymore and so part of this is for me just a newfound joy in this work Mm. of both artwork and uh, facilitation and process design for for addressing complex social challenges and um, I feel unconflicted about it Mm -hmm. and the way that that's happening around me or in my life is um, for the first time I do not struggle to be heard Mm. Okay, so when I was 22, 25 30, 35 I would often find myself in situations where being a group of people there'd be a problem to discuss um, I would say what I had to say and it would not be heard and a couple hours would go by and someone else might even say hey, we should go back to what Jeff was saying because he really said something and And the whole group would be like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, Matthew. You're like, well done. And for some reason, I was invisible. But now, I can say something. It can land. People go like, that thing that Jeff just said, really, let's apply that. And it's not about me. So I'm not giving myself, like, big strokes or anything. I I don't feel this glow of pride. I don't feel like, oh, you know. I mean, it's not the first time that I've been heard, but it's... It's certainly it's
0: consistent and it's solid.
1: It's consistent and it's solid, and now I can lead, and people yeah. are looking to me to lead. Right. Important work, yeah. And I'm not struggling with it. I'm not. I would say worried that you're about it. I'm in flow with it. I'm in flow with it, because so you're not
0: attached anymore.
1: I, I'm very committed.
0: You're very committed, but you're not attached.
1: But I'm. I, I just. I'm trusting it. It's good. It's working. Mm. It's. It's so. This is new fit. This new flow. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah. that's a big thing. And also, uh, likewise, in the artwork. Art is one of these amazing things in life that the more you do it, the more it opens. And the artwork that I'm making now, I'm, I'm always getting better every day, but I'm just so excited to see where it goes. And I just want more time in the studio to mm-hmm. make more work and see what happens. And it doesn't feel like um, a monumental struggle anymore. It looks like finding my language. As a painter, finding my visual language, and it's an exciting journey. Um, it's it's like the culmination of twenty years of trying to find a way to make artwork that, and, and speak through art mm. in an efficient uh, way. So yeah, those are two ways that that um, these wings or this this return home is is happening.
0: Well, I would say that the experience of Wings really centers around finding my voice. How ironic is that? Because I don't actually mean my singing voice, though I do. I because mean that's my in, speaking that's ha- voice. That's happened but in parallel. The, right. The singing voice ha- has been this sort of uh, metaphor or analog or, or whatever it is um, alongside the development of my... I don't want to say professional voice because I don't really distinguish between a professional voice and a personal voice. It's all the same work to me, Um, but definitely it has been finding my voice, and that's played out in our relationship um, during the sort of supreme ordeal where Jeff and I really went into business together. Um, Before that, he was in Rios, and I was doing a lot of uh, coaching, um, and I was peripherally involved in certain things in Rios, but not very much. But then when he left, we rented a business together, and that's when this particular dynamic began, which was, um, is there room for me in this partnership for my voice, or does it have to be Jeff's voice that I kind of help to bring out? Because that was a bit of a dynamic of, that I inherited from my parents and they probably from their parents and so on, these hereditary family dynamic patterns. Um, But that was really a huge question for me and a huge sort of inner battle. There's my inner conflict. There's not going to be room, or inner fear. There's not going to be room for me to have a voice in this business. Um, It's going to be, I'm going to have to sacrifice that to help Jeff do his thing. So this was a constant refrain of, I'm just helping you do your thing. And Jeff's like, no, no. Is that you know, it was this constant
1: thing, you anyway, know. So No, uh, that's just your perspective. <laughs> and I'm like, no That's reality. Yeah. No, that's just the way you're seeing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it went on and on for years. <laughs> that's just the habit. And I would just loop back to this. Yeah. Um when things got difficult. Um or when I got triggered, I should say. Um I think the the breakthroughs and I I, I imagine that there, it was a it was a um, Gradual. Yeah, a gradual process, but eventually what I uh, was able to do was come to understand that this isn't obviously about him and me helping him do his thing, and that doesn't need to be my role in the world, that doesn't have to be my life mission, because mm. I was really afraid that that's what I was here to do, mm. was to help the man be amazing in the world, and the mm. woman would be the good woman behind the great man, mm. you know that quote? Mm. Um and I, uh, it, it, it came to pass that I found my voice as a gradual thing. And now, what we're doing now, it really does feel like a partnership because he brings the things that he has, the strengths that he has, and I bring the strengths that I have. And really, it was never any other way. I, I, I always had this voice. It's just that I didn't believe in it. I didn't trust it. I didn't think it was anything of value in the world and that is tied in to the, the archetypal struggle of women for the past three to 4,000 years, which is that women have not had a voice for all this time. So it really did feel like my personal struggle was also an archetypal struggle mm-hmm. of womankind. And one thing that um, I think really brought our work into focus is that both Jeff and I, Jeff as well, even though he is um, a male, that we both, with magenta, really do represent this archetypal feminine voice. This this work that we're doing, world maker, the social sculpture consulting work that we're doing, is really about the feminine. It's about the uh, the inner life um, that has been uh, dismissed, um, called subjective cannot be known for centuries, uh, millennia. And now we are saying, no, it is the inner life that is shaping our outer reality. And we need to become masterful there in a, in a creative way. And we need to um, together co-creatively shape our inner realities so that we can um, address the conflict out there in the world, which, by the way, was caused by the inner life at scale, and um, I find this a very uh, feminine, archetypal feminine gesture, um, in a way. So, so it's like uh, it is my personal struggle, but it has also felt like a, um, yeah, more than just me. You
2: know, it's it's interesting because <laughs> we've actually all three of us just talked about finding our voice. Yeah. You know, that was as part of the finding our wings, the elixir was actually about the voice, which I'm kind of relating back to when you actually know what it is that you need to do, then it becomes very clear, right? Mm-hmm. There's not, the, the doubt falls away. And that actually, uh, I mean, I, I, I know I still struggle with it. When I have conflict that I don't want to deal with, my voice shifts. Mm-hmm. It goes you start right clearing here. your throat mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes all of a sudden I go into this <laughs> place way back into my throat like this, yeah, it's very
1: strange. I remember for you that you did some writing of and some course design for a client and you brought it to me, and I was like, wow that sounds perfect. I'm gonna sign off on that great, great job mm-hmm. and and it just like these these things that you didn't think you could do mm-hmm. you went and did, and I thought they were perfect and and I, I don't know was that for me, those were indicators that you were finding in your voice.
0: Yeah, and it has to do with presence. So, one of the things that wounds and also trauma will do is uh, uh, we cannot really be present in the here and now while we are standing in our wounded place. So, so long as I was afraid, and as, so long as I didn't, I couldn't find my. I didn't have the confidence. I had too much self doubt. Um, I couldn't find my voice. I didn't know what my voice was. I didn't know how to speak. I was I was shut down. So, um, and the other thing that I experienced from my own um, set of wounds was this fog. It's like when I was in the space of self-doubt, there would be like this fog that would be around me and I would I would wrestle and struggle with the fog trying to find clarity and I just couldn't find it in the process of finding my voice and you know There's too many little pieces to sort of say how I did that Um, But in the process of doing that the fog began to um, Lessen and go away and the more I practiced my voice the more present I could be so it was not easy Some of the things that I, some of the um, booklets and so forth that that I produced, it was a little bit like trying to squeeze blood out of a stone, (laughs) but the practice of it was what helped me to find my voice. Does that make sense? I was clear at least that I had to do it because I had to have a voice, and then the practice of it was what was a part of what gave me the confidence. I I did it. Okay, I could do it again. Right? It was that kind of
2: thing. It's interesting. You said something right at the beginning when you started that, of uh, yeah. the trauma kept you away from being present. Yeah. Do I understand that correctly?
0: Yeah.
2: In some ways, the trauma, trauma keeps us, part of, part of us back yeah. there, right? You see a lot of times there can be a certain arresting of the development of, yeah. of people when they have an early trauma, yeah. right? And it says, this part of you stays back there, so how can you be fully here now, in this moment, if there's a part of you that's still staked yeah. in the ground, and that actually part of the healing of that trauma and working with those patterns and actually recognizing those patterns. I see you, I can name you, and now you don't have control over me, and that can free that traumatized part of you to come back here. And sometimes it might get pulled back again through these old patterns, but the recognition of that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been doing a lot of reading about healing from trauma lately mm-hmm. um, and it is it is a process and there's lots of different modalities um, depending on the person and their exp- and, and, and their tendencies and their particular trauma different kinds of modalities will work um, in different ways but it very much is like that a part of you um, there's a there's a fracturing in the soul and the work of, of healing from trauma is to reintegrate those fractured parts and the fracturing is this incredibly wise, the incredibly wise nature of the soul, the fracturing is is necessary to help someone survive the unsurvivable, the the, the horrific, and it's a protective mechanism that is just amazing and profound. Um, and we and but in the research that 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 reintegration, um, it it is difficult and requires like somatic kind of healing, and it requires. Integrated family systems type approaches, there's a lot of different amazing research that's been done. Um, but it's worth doing because being present, like the work that Jeff and I do um, of process design and facilitation in the in the consulting work, for instance, or in teaching in workshops and groups, um, you know, despite all this, you know, experience and despite all this. IP and uh, expertise or whatever it is that we value in a professional or in a consultant. It's all good and needed. It's, it's, um, but most what what is mostly needed is presence, is how you're showing up. It's not so much the what, it's the how. Mm-hmm. I have found that when I'm showing up for a workshop or I'm teaching or I'm coaching... Um, the best thing that I can do is just be present. And when Jeff, Jeff told me this, you taught me that, years ago, I didn't believe him. I thought I had to be an expert in something, and that was how I would put myself down, was I'm not an expert in anything. Um, no one cares about playing the violin.
1: Or being a mom. <laughs> or being
0: a mom, <laughs> um, or trying to sing. So, uh, and he said, you just need to be present. And that uh, is true. I've come to understand that that is true.
1: Your gift of presence is all you is eighty percent of holding a room, facilitating a process. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are technical things to learn. Yes, there's design things to mm-hmm. learn. But you can learn all that and not have presence, mm-hmm. and you will not be any good. And if you don't know all that, but you do have presence, you can go a long way. Right.
0: But that mm-hmm. that really struck me because that was the antidote to my self-doubt if all I have to do is show up okay I can I can at least do that
2: you know is there any last sort of thought on the the uh, <clears throat> sort of that elixir and the uh, and the returning home
1: I mean I, I guess I have one which is that <clears throat> in the community of of, of you know part of this return from the ordeal is is rejoining your community and mm-hmm. that's a good point some of the people that do the systems work um with us we've known for 20-25 years and we've been tracking together and that is a very interesting point to re-engage and um when i left rios i i louisa was really instrumental in in a soft and friendly divorce of the partners. But I have to admit that for a few years I carried a lot of resentment and kind of had a story about being disallowed or kicked out of the firm or whatever. Now that's not actually what happened. Mm -hmm. I, I outgrew and they outgrew and we just grew apart. And so... Um, if you
0: ever had any alignment in the first we, place we didn't and no. that
1: was part of the yeah. weird situation was yeah. that we were thrown together and I think we gave each other a lot and yeah. I still really for love sure. those partners yeah. and really admire them and think of them a lot um, and I'm and, and grateful to everything that yeah. they gave me so but now part of this Wings is that I, 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 I not only my old partners but people I've known in this field for a long time um, I just don't Judge. I just don't judge. I really see having suffered my own shortcomings, um, when I think of them or see them, I'm I'm just not interested in judging or comparing or evaluating or being better than or competing or but, but more... comparing.
0: Yeah, yeah, Karen.
1: Um, but I I'm I'm truly interested in their becoming and who they are and and who they are becoming. And there's so there's this real feeling of solidarity. And, and warmth and interest and, um, and
0: re-engagement
1: and re-engagement and I mean that's not true for every single person I've ever met in this space, but it's certainly true of many and um, And now I just don't have any mental space taken up with uh, with comparing or contrasting or judging or evaluating
2: right, or even any of the any of the old resentments, right? Yeah, it's just not there. I'm so, on,
1: it's like I've got other fish to fry. Mm-hmm. So I'm not there,
2: mm. which is actually kind of that's a that's a real lovely sort of right pullback, which is that actually when we leave something and there's a wound, whether it's our childhood or as we begin on our journey, for you the beginning of the journey obviously it was around that same time and meeting some of these people, right? And there are these wounds that come and these or these the conflicts that come, and we we carry some of that stuff with us as baggage that we take take with us, and part of coming through the fire. Right is actually you know. burning that out Burn. and be able that's to come right. back and say whatever happened before yeah. like hey I'm sorry for my idiocy in this and I've completely yeah. forgiven you for your yeah. transgressions or my perception right. of what you did as a transgression and yeah. I would, would say you know what we're actually all on this journey together
1: and that's actually yeah. happened yeah. with a dear friend who has another company in this space and we had a big blow up it was a, it was a big dramatic thing and years later, we, we came to that thing of just forgiving and realizing that we were, we were much better off friends and brothers than, than uh, bitter at each other. Yeah, and that's
2: a total capacity that is just, I just want to think, is a really important piece of this, right? Because then we can come back in, and maybe that's also part of the burning away of the ego, right? Because now we're actually here for something bigger than just ourselves. That battle, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So that was the only the only last piece that comes up is just that re engagement with the community in in that other on another level. Yeah.